just felt so much better. All right. Um, okay. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to We Ate All the Pies Game Week 1 recap. The Premier League is back. I got a quick story to open the, open this up because I know at the end of the last pod, uh, I said I was going to miss this game week, and I told Jordan and Caleb that they were going to have to carry me. By the way, uh, my name is Adam. Um, down the line is my cousin Jordan. Hello, hello. There he is. Okay. Um, <laughs> another new season, another new disappointment. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it could, it's, it's a long year. Uh, and that means a couple of things. And then also uh, resident Fulham fan and championship correspondent Caleb Slinkard. Hello, Caleb. Go Cottagers, still high off of our trip down from West Yorkshire. That's correct. Good job. Um, so real quick, yes, I was supposed to miss this opening weekend, but literally my body would not let me. So after we recorded the podcast on Sunday of last week, um, that actually that whole entire weekend my mouth was kind of hurting. And I had a dentist appointment on Monday, and I went in, and it turns out I had to get an emergency root canal. So that happened. Um, kind of took care of that, got on some pain medication. Then my mouth kept hurting, and another tooth was just aching beyond belief. I mean, it was, toward, it was much farther to the back of my mouth. And I found out that, or at least they assumed that I have had some kind of infection or something going on. And so they gave me some antibiotics and said, this may work or your tooth may be cracked, so you may, you may have to come back. Fortunately, those, med- those meds have worked, but because I was on all that stuff and I was dealing with that, I did not go on the weekend float trip um, that I had planned. Um, was a little bit disappointed by that, but I have to tell you, after watching this weekend of Premier League games, getting up, watching the games in the morning, go I mean a routine that I have had since I was like 14 years old. And I, that combined with my tooth feeling so much better now and my mouth actually being able to bite down on things and chew on things normally and not having to, you know, sip stuff through the other side of my mouth, which is incredibly difficult. I just, I feel reborn. Uh, it's, it's a new Adam. I feel, I feel whole again after watching the Premier League, this, this Premier League weekend. What an opening weekend it was. It was just fantastic. It was like every match almost had something special about it. Um, and obviously it was fantastic with all the stadiums crammed full of fans. That was a lot of fun to see. And so, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was top-notch soccer. It was a ton of fun to watch. I'm not going to lie, Jordan. It was awfully fun hearing the away fans from way up in the tops, the, at the top tier of St. James's Park today. Uh, uh, singing out, but we'll talk more about that in a minute. <laughs> uh, I certainly enjoyed um, the dictates they sent to offici- uh, officials over the summer uh, because there were some plays that were you know uh, let go that should have been fouls if uh, called last year. Oh, I'm I'm at yes yes that there were some rule changes uh, over the summer. Um, I think the the big focus was on offside and and they changed up the handball rule a little bit to, to deal with VAR. But I thought, I mean, this weekend was so clean. There was no VAR controversy that I know of. Um, everything just it looked fine. It, it, yeah, it felt normal again. So that probably helped as well. Um, 
So we're back to our, our normal formula, which is that we're kind of gonna we're gonna go game by game. Some of the games we're not gonna get into as much, um, but one that we absolutely have to start talking about happened today. So this is the today's Sunday, and earlier we had uh, Tottenham one, Manchester City nil, and frankly, this felt like ninety minute demonstration of which of these teams needs Harry Kane more, um, or at least it was until fifty five minutes in. Stephen Bridgewine sent. Young Min Son down the wing on a break. He cuts the inside, fires a fantastic strike, low into the bottom corner, lifts the roof off of North London. And personally, not a huge fan of the club, but you cannot argue that Tottenham fans needed that after the summer that they've had. City huffed and puffed, um, and Jack Grealish, I mean, he was involved a whole lot, but they just kind of lacked that finishing touch. Interestingly enough, uh, Ruben Diaz and Nathan Ake started um, at center back. No John Stones, no Imeric Laporte. They stayed on the bench for this one. Um, I found that kind of strange, but hey, Tottenham has a team again. They were absolutely lethal on the counter, which um, obviously they had to be just because City, you know, controlled so much of the possession. At least in the first half, or you know, the first thirty minutes, I mean, it just seemed inevitable that City was going to score. But then the game really got away from them. And, and honestly, the rest of the match, it just didn't seem like they were creating any solid chances. Um, and it seemed like every time Tottenham got the ball, they were running. <laughs> they were just flying down down the pitch. And, and they didn't always create scoring chances, but they just seemed really deadly um, on the counterattack the entire match. And so it was a very odd, it was a very odd match because City so clearly you know, looked like they were going to score and just live in Tottenham's, you know, the final third. Um, but that's not what it looked like at all. So congrats to Tottenham and, and their fans. What a what an opening match for them. 66% uh, possession for Manchester City. They had 18 total shots. Um, and yeah, passed the ball well. I mean, there were times where they completely dominated the game, but there was just no... Like I said, I mean, they, there was just no finishing touch. Um, Fran Torres started at the traditional number nine spot, but of course, this is the Pep system. They use a false nine, um, but it just it didn't didn't work. Um, there, you know, I, I felt like they would get around the goal, and I don't know. They they sort of had this maze that only they could see in terms of trying to get to the goal. I mean, they just I I don't. It just seemed like they they were allergic to shooting. Or, 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 no one could find a shot. Um, Jordan, what did, I mean, this is the second straight week that City have lost one nil. Um, I know the first one required extra time, and it was a bit different. But what's going on with with City? Well, first of all, uh, Manchester City's new hundred million pound man Jack Grealish did not look comfortable starting the game uh, deeper in the midfield as the eight. He actually looked a lot more active. Uh, you know, driving on the ball against defenders on that left wing after they took Raheem Sterling off and he moved uh, forward. Um, Nuno Espiritu de Santo uh, lined up in what would have been called a four-three-two-a-four-two-three-one, but in shape it was more like a Christmas tree with uh, out with uh, Deli Ali dropping back and helping defend. So uh, Regulon and Tang. Uh, Tengue uh, were not uh, so exposed on the wings and where Manchester City operates in and around the edge of the box with those tricky little passes and cuts 
that one two quick motion that was smothered out really effectively and then having Lucas Mora and um and uh, Bergwine up top with song you're able to have uh two players who could run with pace uh you know take on uh, take on defenders with dribbles and then um you know make a good pass when they needed to it was a really perfect setup in in game playing by uh, by Nuno today at home in his first in his first match uh for Tottenham Hotspur you know, I, you bring up a good point, and it's, it's really good analysis. Because I was, I was thinking after this, man, maybe Nuno doesn't have to play Wolves ball at Spurs. Maybe he can let this team go forward and attack. But they actually kind of did play what he's used to playing at Wolverhampton, which is to kind of sit to to sit in more. You know, like you said, to to prevent City from from being able to pass around like they would like to around the box and and find those gaps and and find those through balls and then attack with pace, which is exactly what, what he has um, at Tottenham. Now uh, the big headline, of course, ahead of this one was that Harry Kane was not on the bench or in the starting lineup for Tottenham. I would argue that, well, he's only been back for a week um, and they had the whole thing about him missing training or did he really miss training? When's he supposed to be back kind of thing, um, which is just a weird, a weirdly communicated thing. There's a lot of pundits in England who still seem to, like to get on him for missing training, but his argument is that he didn't. Anyways, um, but does he make a, make a difference in this game? I would argue that he would have made a diff- huge difference for City because I think it he would have added a more direct approach to their, to their attack in the final third because to me, C- C- City did everything right. They looked great until they got to the 18... 18- about to that line of the 18-yard box, and then they just everything just seemed to fall apart. They had no answers. So I think if if I were City, this would be the game that would convince me that it is a it is worth 150 million pounds to bring in Harry Kane because he is that is something that this team sorely misses at this moment. Yeah, and and you know if I'm first of all, I, I agree. I mean, I think that. Um, it's a little foolish to criticize Harry Kane for not being on the sideline for this match. Um, I think it'll be very interesting to see if he, um, you know, if he plays this year for Tottenham or if City goes, you know, decides to start, you know, moving in the direction of getting him. But yeah, I mean, and if I'm Harry Kane, like I can kind of see why he wants to be at City. I mean, there's so many pieces that can set him up and feed him the ball, and clearly there's such a huge need there. He would, I mean it's really a, a beautiful situation for him. Um, and not that I want to see city get stronger, but I mean, it, it, there, there could be some beautiful soccer being played there. I, I felt like city was just too, they weren't direct enough. They just were too fancy and too skittish when they just needed to put their heads down and, and drive into the box and shoot. And they tried to, they just didn't have somebody who could do that. So yeah, I mean, I agree. I think this is a match where city probably looks and says, we really do need Harry Kane. There was a moment in the first half where, Riyad Mahrez kind of cut to the inside and there was there was a, a loose ball in the box and he sort of swings his left foot at it and it, it goes just haplessly wide. There was no chance. It wasn't even close to being on target. Um, and at that moment, I just thought, well, that's that's a ball that someone like Harry Kane gets. And clearly that's something that is that is missing is just that finishing touch. I mean, if that goes in, if he gets good contact on that, as he should, or as you would expect him to, it could have been a completely different ball game. From the Tottenham perspective, Jordan, is Youngman's son the perfect replacement for Harry Kane? Do they? Do they? Is it okay now to say, okay, well, we don't need you 
because we've got Sonny who can run up and down the wing and, and, you know, essentially run this offense without you? Or if you're Tottenham, do you still need the presence of Harry Kane? You would like to have the presence of Harry Kane just because he's such a proven goal scorer in the Premier League. But in if uh, the setup was, you know, what Nuno is going to go with a majority of the season, then I don't see where Harry Kane gets on the field except as a substitute. Wow. Just because, just because Harry Kane does not have, I believe, the pace to make those to make those runs when necessary. Harry Kane is a great player that pops up in the box. He knows how to put the ball in the net. But on the counter, I feel like he would hold up the the pace of play. And you saw how Tottenham thrived when it was one to one touch from either Bergwijn or Mora. They're cutting across pitch going into the Manchester City half, and then they're putting a, a diagonal ball to Son near the box. I actually really agree with that. I and mean, I think I think obviously you'd prefer to have Harry Kane and you can kind of model your game plan around him. But I think that's a really good point that Jordan had was that this particular game plan against this team, he might not have worked as well. And it's clear that Tottenham can win without him. And so obviously you prefer to have him. But if he does leave and I'm a Spurs fan, I might feel better about the fact that I feel like we can be competitive against some of the best teams in the league with the right kind of tactical plan. I, I I agree to an extent. I still do think it would be better for Spurs, like you said, if, if you could build around Kane, um, and and that's the way forward. Because for me, what happened today? It worked, and it was great. Um, just like in seasons prior, it has worked, and it worked for Wolves uh, for Nuno this sort of system. But I don't know if you can get as kind of as we talked about in the, in the preseason preview. I don't think that. This gets this system and this style of play. I don't think it gets Tottenham um, farther beyond where they are, where they were last season, um, and where you know as high as Wolves have gone. I'm thinking you know seventh and eighth. I don't think that they get in the Champions League playing like this personally. Now, you know, there's a few there's a few weeks left in the transfer window. Um, you know, but again, like playing in this system. I think it can be kind of punishing, especially on the defensive end. I mean, you are, you know, you're 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 inviting pressure a lot, and it and it you know that takes a toll. And does a does a city team a few weeks from now find the goals that they couldn't find today? Maybe you know Raheem Sterling's kind of in the same boat as Harry Kane is. You know, he sort of only came back recently. This is his first real competitive game. I don't think he even got a run out in the in the Community Shield. So. So there's some things to consider there in terms of, you know, City's match readiness and, and, you know, how sharp they were today. Like I said, they, you know, they had their two starting center backs, I think, or I think indisputably starting center backs um, uh, were out today. They, they they kept them on the bench, which I still found, I don't know, I still found that kind of strange um, that you don't put John Stones or Americ Laporte. I mean, to me, if, if they're good enough to be on the bench, they're good enough to be in the match. But I mean, I Pep's won three titles in four years, so I guess, you know, what do I know? But but I do think, um, you know, for Tottenham, like you said, it would be better to have Kane. Um, and and I don't know. That's going to be interesting this week. I think it's a big week in, in the Harry Kane saga coming up. I believe uh, uh, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg had a great game today all around. Uh, defensively, he was solid and, uh, uh, you know, uh, condensing the space around that edge of the penalty box. 
uh, for Tottenham. And he also, um, you know, made some great passes too. He has turned into an, a, a good all-around player since his move from Southampton. I agree. He's a great pivot man. Um, and he could thrive in this system. Like you said, sitting in front of that, that sitting in front of the back line and, and, you know, picking up the trash and, and being able to give those, those good balls out and those, those really good passes, uh, to the other side of Manchester now, uh, and actually back in Manchester. Um, so that was on Sunday, uh, Tottenham versus city Saturday morning. We were, uh, we were all greeted to Manchester United five leads, one. Remember when in the preseason everybody was saying, what do Leeds need to do? Uh, they need to focus defensively. Maybe they need to give a bit more attention to the defensive side of things. Maybe they need to, you know, change their game and worry about defense more and preventing goal scored. Well, apparently they didn't listen at all and regret nothing. Um, a hat trick for Bruno Fernandez, Mason Greenwood, and when Fred scores against you, okay, you know you got to work on, on your defense. Fred never scores for Manchester United, but he did. Um, Paul Pogba, four assists in this one. Uh, Leeds did have a Luke Ayling wonder strike that just kind of ended up turning into a consolation goal. It was a hell of a hit. Um, but Manchester United start off absolutely flying. Bruno was fantastic. Um, it was a good all-around team performance, I think, from the Reds. And and one of, I think, several teams this weekend who sort of laid the gauntlet down and said you know, we're going to challenge for the title. I mean, this is a, a really eye-catching scoreline. Um, like I said, Pogba was immense. He just, everything ran through him. Four assists is, is insane um, for anyone. And he actually, he didn't play uh, the whole 90 minutes. He actually did, uh, was subbed off. Such was the level of dominance that United showed uh, in this game. Bruno Fernandez absolutely huge. Mason Greenwood scored. Jaden Sancho came in off the bench. So Dan James actually started wide. Uh, on the right, and uh, Jaden Sancho came in, and I think when he came in, he actually lined up on the left for a little bit, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see how how they use him. And ahead of the game, uh, Manchester United actually paraded out Rafael Varane. Um, it looks like he's going to officially complete his move to the club this week. He came out um, kind of showing around a Varane shirt as a way of saying, I'm here, I'm just not here today. Um, it was just kind of a weird. It was just kind of a weird, a weird parade thing where he's uh, he's kind of showing around his his jersey, and all the fans are like, "Yeah, it'd be great if you were wearing it and actually out in the field." But um, but yeah, just I mean, a phenomenal scoreline for them, and an emphatic. Um, I don't know. I, I anybody else think that this is this is United basically saying we're in it to win it this season? It's well, it's the reverse curse at work. We, That's right. Jordan, right? We, it before the end of the year. we thought we knew you know, I would have a great year because you, you abandoned them. Uh, and obviously, you know, they're, they're well on their way to uh, eternal glory. So, um, yeah, I mean, just an absolute it – is, it is somewhat ironic that, I mean, for very good reasons, you choose to switch allegiances and then Paul Pogba decides to actually play like he's Paul Pogba for United. Um, it's just – it's full it, – it couldn't have happened any other way, that's all I'm gonna say. So, so we were talking about this during the game in our in a little text feed, and and I'll I'll say this: uh, it was kind of a weird feeling, um, but I guess I the best way I could compare I, the best comparison I have is I sort of felt like Rose on the Titanic. Um, you know, yeah, I could be 
I could be with United. I could be dining up on the top deck with all the the rich so-and-sos and having a nice leisurely sail to America. But you know what? Screw it. Let's go dance with the Irish immigrants down in the lower decks. Let's sink this bitch. Let's go. Anarchy. Let's just go with it. I am I'm I'm fully on board with West Ham. What an ironic turn of phrase. Fully on board. <laughs> yes. They did they did hey, you know, let's let's I mean, to be fair, you weren't exactly slumming it uh this week either. I know we'll get to that match. We'll but yeah, no, it was it was it was uh, exactly what I expected out of United. Jordan, were you surprised that Leeds were so laissez-faire, given the... I mean, United did this exact same thing to them last season. You think they would have learned. Um, Adam, I'm sorry uh, that your former... Uh, your toxic ex-girlfriend, Manchester United, after you broke up, it was a messy breakup, I decided to lose 20 pounds and get a boob job. Um... Is that, is that Jaden Sancho's boob one and Veron's boob two? Is, uh, that, is, that, yeah, is that the comparison yeah, you're making? Okay, yeah, just yeah, checking. And, and lose, the lose the 20 pounds uh, is uh, Paul Pogba playing like international Paul Pogba and not Manchester United Paul Pogba. Um, he was brilliant. Um, I, he might be one of the five people on earth who could have put that Ball into uh, Fernandez, I believe, for that uh, for that second goal yeah. that came over the top, which he collected with his right foot. Um, you know, I don't think uh, Leeds United would learn a lesson because you know, in in the system that Marco Bielsa plays, there is no lesson to learn. Really, it's push forward, attack. And hopefully you outscore your opponent. Which, against West Ham United, that might work. But against Manchester United, eight times out of ten, that's not going to work. And it didn't work yesterday morning. Yeah, but to me, I, everybody talks about this as, you know, oh, <laughs> oh, Marco. Oh, Marco Bielsa, you just stick with your ways and you're so quirky the way that you... No, that's that's a bad manager. Like if if your team is suffering like that and 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 having that hard of a time, if if they go out, you know, you lose once to a team like this with the system. Okay, fine, you're trying it out. I get it. It was the first time that they had met in however long. I couldn't. I can't remember how long it was. It was however, however long Leeds have not been in the Premier League. But yeah, you know, they go out the first time. Okay, I get it. You come around the second time. You know exactly what's going to happen to you, but you don't prepare. That's not a good manager. That's a that's somebody who who. I don't know. It, to me, it just says you don't care. And you think that your way is going to work and it's going to be fine when it really, really isn't. So I, I don't know. I think Leeds are going to be in trouble if they don't have a change of attitude. And it's got to come from the manager because that, I mean, as good as United were, that's pretty poor from a Leeds side who I think impressed a lot of people last season. I mean, I just, I, I, I would have a sore taste in my mouth if I were a Leeds fan to see that happen again. When you know what this team can do to you if you play the exact same way as you did the last time, I'm well, also, I'm, also Bielsa, just, I'm not a, I'm just I'm also not a Marco Bielsa fan, but that's just me. Well, Marco Bielsa is out of contract at the end of the season, so does he care? Because I thought he said he'd figure I, that out. 
he said something before the game about how the contract, the situation had been figured out or something. I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird situation. But I, I mean, I get what you're saying, and I do agree with you, Jordan. He is out of contract at the end of the season, and it's kind of a big, it's kind of a big thing hanging over him. Nothing more. Okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if that. I, I don't know. I'll we'll have to we'll have to read we'll have to read more up on uh, on the, the the contract situation. Uh, any other notes on on United Leeds? Uh, just to reiterate my um, my prediction from uh, last pod, United to win the league. Did you predict? Was that you? Because I know yes, I, that I, was me. I said United would win. I thought you had said City would. I'll have to go back and listen. No, no, maybe I'm okay. Maybe I am. I'm referencing the in-group chat and the text I sent you. Oh, that's uh, right. Saturday morning, like at eight o'clock. No, I did. I did pick. You're correct. I did pick chalk. So please call me out on my bullshit when I try to worm out of predictions. We both picked City, but with the with the caveat that we felt like the reverse curse was real. That's, and that is true. You should also get credit if United wins. That's so. right. Yeah, I think yeah, I agree. Um, I I agree. Uh, uh, another big win. Like I said, there were a couple of teams this weekend that were throwing down their title credentials. Um, and that was Chelsea. Chelsea three, Crystal Palace nil. Marcus Alonso, um, who I think up until this point has kind of maybe felt a little bit pushed out. You know, Ben Chilwell's been doing pretty well down the left hand side. Uh, he starts. He opens the scoring with a fantastic free kick, um, and Palace just they couldn't cope with Chelsea in their final third. The American Christian Pulisic also scores, and he started, which is a rarity under Thomas Tuchel. And then Trevo Chaloba, Chaloba is it Chaloba? Trevo Chaloba, I think is is how you say that. Um, scores his first ever goal for Chelsea. A fantastic right foot strike from outside of the box. He's a central defender, um, and certainly making a case for why this particular Chelsea youngster shouldn't be sent out on loan again. Caleb, you were uh, in the thick of it, surrounded by Chelsea fans at a pub, um, which is fantastic that you were at a pub to watch this, and and what a fun time, but also very sad that you had to deal with all the Chelsea fans. But uh, what was your your experience there? How did the fans feel? What what was your, your take on this one? It was, you know, so one of my friends is a Chelsea fan, unfortunately, and, um, you know, uh, obviously couldn't watch um, my lads on television, so I, we decided to go up to an Irish pub up in Buckhead in Atlanta, and, um, yeah, it was it's where the uh, Atlanta-Chelsea fan club uh, meets, one of the largest, actually, outside of, of the United Kingdom. Oh, wow. And, um, you know... Uh, they were they were very they were very nice. Um, of course, they were playing. Chelsea was playing a Crystal Palace team that didn't look like they could have beaten like Dag and Red that week that day. I mean, they were just awful. And Chelsea looked fantastic. Um, at the same point in time, you could kind of see why they went and splashed money on Lukaku. Um, you know, I think long term, um, you know, obviously he's going to be really important for them. Um, they, they don't have a lot of physicality in the box, um, but they've got everything else. Um, you know, Mason Mount looks strong. Pulisic looked good. That Alonzo free kick was textbook. Um, so yeah, they, they, they looked absolutely fantastic, um, against a side that it's, that was clearly not ready to play. Um, and so I think this is a Chelsea squad that's going to be very dangerous this year. And it'll be interesting to see 
um, you know, what they look like, like I said, once uh, Lukaku, gets, Lukaku gets there and is healthy and is ready to go. Yeah, there was definitely a, a, a Vernering going on. Timo Werner, I yeah. think, had the, had the goal right open to him, and he hits the side netting, which is exactly what we would expect. Yeah, he, it, it's it's pretty obvious um, that he's you know he continues to. I mean, that, if if he was going to have a that was a great game for him to show up um, and, and play and play really well. Um, obviously, again, they're playing against a side that was overmatched, and he you know despite the fact that a lot of people had very had a very good match, he you know he was kind of he, he disappeared a bit. Um, so, but I mean, again, that team looks good. And they yeah. didn't play, you know, Reese James came off the bench. Um, you know, Conte didn't play. So, you know, this is a this is a Chelsea team that uh, couldn't have looked better um, the first week considering who they have, and they're going to get more dangerous um, next week. So, And that is kind of what makes me wonder, and, you know, full credit to Chelsea. They did a phenomenal job. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of change at Palace. And, you know, come along with me here, Jordan, on this kind of thought process, but was Patrick Vieira maybe a bit naive in the team that he put out? Um, you know, I, I think he started uh, kind of a younger striker. I can't, whose name escapes me at the moment, but, he, you know, over, he started him over Christian Benteke. Um, you know, obviously, we know this team does need to get younger, but it just seemed like Palace set up to do something that... They just couldn't do against this Chelsea side. They just they they weren't ready. They weren't prepared. That's what it felt like for me. I mean, they looked run ragged by ha- five minutes before halftime. They they looked tired. They looked exhausted. You know, we talked earlier uh, a couple pods back about uh, the transfer business done by Crystal Palace. You know, shipping out a bunch of their older players who happen to be out of contract. Um, bringing in younger players, it didn't help them that uh, Eze is out with an injury. Um, So Patrick Vieira was possibly uh, naive and, you know, lining up uh, like this against Chelsea. Um, Hopefully he uh, has some time in the job. I kind of feel like if he, if this, you know, if this, this starts a run of negative results that uh, he might be, uh, you know, shipped out before too long. Um, but hopefully he will learn his lesson for next week. Caleb, we can't move beyond this without asking what, what did you, what was your pub fair like? What did you have there, there at, uh, there at, at the pub and was it Buckhead? It's a great name Buckhead. for a town, Buckhead. Yeah. That's a fantastic yeah, name for yeah, a town. Exactly. What? What was? How did? How? In, in Atlanta. How did you enjoy the match? It was. Uh, it was. It was. It was fun. Uh, I mean, I, it would have been more fun if Crystal Palace had absolutely went <laughs> yeah. for, for me personally. But um, it was. It was a fun atmosphere. You know, there were. I mean, we got there. I mean, we had to leave at eight in the morning to get up there. Yeah. Which is fine. So we got up there for the match. The United fans were staggering out because um, <laughs> that's where the United Club meets too. So we got the place was absolutely packed, um, which was fantastic. Um, so yeah, I had a full Irish breakfast. Um, nice. Yeah, uh, had a Guinness um, and uh, had a couple of beers. Uh, watched some good football, and then we got out of there as soon as the uh, Liverpool fans started to uh, to crawl in. So um, yeah, I mean, it was it was an excellent experience. It's yeah, that's 
that would normally is, is the way that it goes. Once the Liverpool fans start to show up, you you head toward the exit. Well, um, you know, and, I mean, obviously, you know, if you're a Liverpool fan, more power to you. What was kind of funny about it, I mean, they were fine, but what was kind of funny about it is so there's probably, you know, they, the, that supporters group shows up early, which is cool because, I mean, obviously that bar gets packed. There's not a ton of Irish pubs in Atlanta, believe it or not. And um, so the supporters group, like, hangs up this massive banner with, like, a low, and it's, like, the 2021 champions, and it's got, like, a poem on it. And, they're, and it's, like, they're hanging it over, like, the second floor balcony that's, like, over a TV where we're watching the game and there's like still like 30, 35 minutes left in this Chelsea game. And you're like, this, this seems, this seems apropos. This, 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 it was going to happen this way, but it was, everybody was great. Everybody was, was nice. It was honestly just fun to see a bunch of English football fans gathering together for some, some blood sausage and beer. So it was a good time. Well, we give we give the fans enough shit on this show, so we'll we'll talk we'll talk well about their club here. Uh, Norwich nil, Liverpool three. This was the late game on Saturday. Diogo Jota's goal pours water on what was quite a hot Norwich start to this. They looked they looked okay until until that moment. Um, Firmino comes on, he adds another one, and then Salah with the seventy fourth minute strike to set Liverpool's title challenge in motion. Despite the scoreline, Norwich still had about fifty percent possession. Um, and 14 shots off of 11 chances created. Jordan, Liverpool are back. Yes, uh, Virgil van Dijk is uh, back in uh, the center defense and all is well in Liverpool. Um, <clears throat> when watching the match, the first thing that struck me was uh, how well Norwich seemed up for it in the beginning. Um, Timu Pukki, uh, Timu Pukki uh, should have had an assist uh, in about the 19th minute uh, because Todd Cantwell played a great through ball over the top through him to him, and he was uh, you know running towards that right that that right side of the goal, and there was uh, Trent Alexander Arnold trying to cover a wide open uh, Norwich player, and if he just simply put that ball across the goal, that was a tap, and it could have been Norwich one nil right there. Uh, but as a striker, he's going to take the shot. Um, Liverpool, Liverpool looked like Liverpool of uh, 1920. Um, you know, Trent Alexander. 2019, Arnold, 2020, uh, not 1920 yeah, year. Yeah. Of course, we weren't alive. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, of, of, of season 19, of season 1920. Yes. Right. Uh, well, they they could have looked like that in 1920. I'll look it up right now. That could be a perfect analogy. <laughs> Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, was right back at home in the opponent, uh, making deep runs into the opponent's half. Um, you know, crucial on that first goal with that pass to uh, Sala, which he kind of let dribble through to uh, Jota, uh, and then uh, on that uh, deep cross from the byline to uh, Mane in the 48th minute, that should have been a goal except for Max Aaron's block. Um, Mo Sala looked happy setting up in that uh, center left. Uh, top part of the box uh, where he does all his magic. Uh, <clears throat> you know, that third goal in the 73rd minute, uh, the assist to Firmino were all four uh, Norwich defenders. As soon as that rebound goes right to him, our eyes on him running towards uh, Salah at that, at that top of the box. Uh, you know what, you know who surprised me in the game? Uh, Smikas, uh, the uh, Constantinos Smikas, the, uh, Yep. The Greek left back uh, bought from Olympiacos for 11 million pounds last year. Uh, he handled himself pretty well. Uh, uh, 
I think he only had one defensive error, which was uh, letting uh, Timu Puki buy him in the 19th minute. Uh, he had a couple good corners. Uh, uh, Nabi Keta uh, put uh, put a ball back into the box, uh, which uh, Jota had a nice header on. And then, of course, uh, Oxide Chamberlain skied one over the box. Um, Liverpool is Liverpool, but... Norwich did have some other chances as well. Uh, that goal mouth scramble at the 68th minute uh, where Ben Gibson should have scored, but it was two amazing saves by Allison, including like a volleyball spike to clear it out. Um, yes, it was a loss. Yes, you don't get any points. But Norwich um, handled themselves well, and it bodes well for their uh, their season to come that the new signings played pretty well. Uh, Josh Sargent uh, played pretty good in the substitution role. Uh, Billy Gilmore had a couple of good crosses into the box uh, and some corners and was uh, pretty good in that deeper line midfield role. Uh, ben Gibson um, should have done better in front of goal, but, I mean, you can't ask that of a center, uh, center back. So Norwich has a bright future. I don't know how long it's going to be in the Premier League, but they have a shot. Yeah, like like, um, like you mentioned, I mean, they looked they looked they looked good. They looked together. They didn't look overwhelmed, at least initially, by the situation. Um, probably because they've been here before. But yeah, I mean, the, they I I wouldn't you know necessarily see this as as a oh no here we go again kind of season yet for Norwich. I mean, it's it's possible that that's a chance that there's a chance that could happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, you know, they put up a good effort, but Liverpool, um, just so, so dominant. Um, uh, by the way, I did look up, uh, the 1920, 21 football, English football league, uh, season and Liverpool did finish fourth that season. So yeah, they, I mean, you, it was a, it was a really good analogy there from, from you, Jordan. That's the kind of analysis Jordan brings. He goes back a hundred years. <laughs> Go back a hundred years to to talk about that. Um, any other any other notes from this, Caleb? Did you did you catch it, or were you were you out uh, out I, and about? I, I no, I didn't. Watch oh, okay, it. uh, I, it's interesting because I'm glad I listened to y'all get, to to y'all talk about it though. Because looking at the final scoreline, you're like, well, Liverpool dominated, but it, it's kind of it's kind of nice to hear that the Norwich acquitted themselves fairly well. So that's yeah. that's good to hear. Yeah, put up a good effort. Um, and actually, uh, Todd, oh, go, yeah, go ahead. Well, sorry, sorry, Todd Cantwell, uh, or the, uh, the bargain Jack, Jack Grealish, uh, as <laughs> bargain, I like you bargain him. Ben Jack Grealish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if Norwich can hold on to him through the rest of this transfer window, I think they will stay up. He was, I mean, he could put some passes in that, uh, few players could on that team. He would. He definitely would be the key in their survival this season. So speaking of uh, speaking of old old results, the last time that Brentford were in the top flight of English football, the last ever game that they played at the first, in the first division was against Arsenal. It was a one nil defeat, and on Friday night, Brentford hosted Arsenal at the Brentford Community Stadium in their first game since that 1947 season. And 74 years later, darn it, don't they ever just get some revenge. Brentford 2, Arsenal 0. 
Uh, Sergi Canos scoring Brentford's first ever Premier League goal in the 22nd minute, and then a Christian Norgard header in the second half sealed the Gunners' fate. Um, Arsenal just kind of looked a bit disconnected in the attack. Um, they they had Aubameyang was out, Alexander Lacazette also missing. Saka came in off of the bench, and their defensive struggles continue. Caleb, your West London foes put up a pretty good uh, pretty good show of themselves the first time out. Yeah, you know, I mean, as a Fulham fan, it was kind of tough to see. Um, but as just a general soccer fan, I mean, what a story. Um, and also a fan of comedy because, I mean, we do love a good laugh at Arsenal's expense. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> I mean, it, it, there just were a lot of really interesting narrative elements. I mean, like you said, they hadn't, you know, Brentford hadn't been top flight football for almost three quarters of a century. Apparently there was a, some, a fan there who'd been there. At that um, the last time they were up 74 years ago, who was at this match, which is oh, pretty wow. incredible. Um, obviously, you know, they're in Community Stadium. It's full of folks. It's the first, you know, it's, it's starting the season. They're against a very tough opponent, and um, they just had all the momentum. And it was one of those matches where, um, you know, home field advantage really counts for something. I mean, obviously, Arsenal didn't look themselves. They, they, uh, they looked very disconnected. Um, they didn't. There was nobody. Um, there was no inspiration for them whatsoever. Um, they were completely out of sorts. Um, but I think you got to give credit to Brentford. I mean, they really, um, you know, they, in their first match in the Premier League, they made a big statement. Um, obviously, it'll be challenging for them to to continue to play, you know, at that level, particularly when they have to travel and, and considering, you know, the rigors of a, of a, of a long Premier League season, but he couldn't have, couldn't have asked for a better start. Um, if you're a Brentford fan, the stadium seemed to be rocking. Um, I mean, they, they, yeah, really took taking that momentum with them. I think there were some who maybe could have seen this coming. I mean, we talked about, in the preseason about how, how up for the season Brentford are going to be. I mean, they were at home, they were in front of fans for the first time in a year. Um, you know, and those fans got to see Premier League football for the first time ever. I mean, it, it's just a recipe, uh, fortunately for Arsenal, it's a recipe for disaster for Brentford. It's a recipe for success. Um, I listened a little bit to, uh, to six Oh six, which is the fan call in show. Um, that's on BBC five live, uh, that airs on, I know it airs on Saturday. I think it does on Sunday sometimes too, but, um, and there was at least one Arsenal fan on there who's already on the Arteta out train. Now, in fairness to him, he said he he didn't think they should have brought him in in the first place. Um, I'll ask both of you this question. I'll start with you, Caleb. Is that is it too early? I mean, should we really be saying Arteta out at this point? Did he look that out of his depth in this game? Well, I mean, I would say any any rational human being would say just quite a we're not few talking about rational ago. human beings though it's the beginning <laughs> of the season you can't make a change at this point like you got to give them a couple of matches and and at least you know give them a chance to show that you know i mean like you said this was kind of a recipe for disaster and and again arsenal walked right into it but you know if they if they come right back you know next week and you know, win one over Chelsea, a Chelsea side that looked fantastic. I mean, then that talk kind of disappeared. So it's not surprising. It's to be expected from, you know, rabid Arsenal fans, but obviously it's much too early to be discussing anything like that. Jordan, before he was appointed, 
the only thing Arteta really had going for him was that he was a former player at Arsenal and he had le- had a few years learning under Pep. Um, emphasis on a few. I mean, is is he is he out of his depth at Arsenal? Should should is this a serious consideration? Should we be worried about Arteta's future at Arsenal at this stage, given his history, given his lack of experience prior to joining this club, and then given this result? You know, with the uh, reintroduction of fans into the stadium for this twenty one twenty two season, um, yeah, <clears throat> I forgot that I need to re up my subscription to Arsenal Fan TV <laughs> um, just for the 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 aftermath content alone. Um, if I'm Arteta, I am worried. I mean, this is your third full season uh, in. You know, in charge, yes, you're down your two starting strikers in Lacazette and Aubameyang. Uh, yes, you're starting a 20-year-old uh, American-born player That's right. uh, as your uh, as your starting striker. But again, this is Arsenal. Arsenal are going to do Arsenal things, which means is they'll they'll lose lose the games they're expected to win, and then like pull off a string of results uh, that are unexpected and still finish mid table. Um, it's the it's the eternal merry go round. Uh, I feel like it would just have to be an absolute catastrophe of a season for Arteta to lose his job, but the stove is getting hotter. Some Arsenal fans would argue that it is a catastrophe if they don't finish in the top four, that that should be a catastrophe for this club. They shouldn't be finishing as low as they are, and they should be attracting better players, that they that everything should just be better. And these are the fans, of course, who remember the days of Thierry Henry, and, but even after that, you know. So, I mean, I... I yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think I think the fire is 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 turned up on Arteta, um, and you know he might his his seat might be hotter than we think, just given. And I like I like that you mentioned the fans because, you know, he's been doing this with Arsenal without full stadiums, and that crowd will let you know if they're unhappy straight up. So it it could be it could be problems for Arsenal. Um, they do take on Chelsea next week. We'll give a, a full. Full update on what you can expect in the coming weekend of football a little bit later. Um, but as you mentioned, Jordan, yes, uh, Fullerin, ba- F- Fullerin Balogun, uh, born in New York, New York. So, is he? He's only played for the England under twenties. We could we could sign him up for the U.S. Men's National Team if we wanted to. I think I think that's how that works. Is that how that works? He should have an American passport, right? That's how. If you're born here, you're a citizen. Or am I? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. No. no yeah. Every every person yeah. born in America has an American has American citizenship. So if he's yeah. not and capped by the by the by the the English national team, then yes, he can do a one time uh, transfer to the U.S. I just wonder with how many young strikers we have right now, if uh, you know he would uh, just because. Uh, it, it, would he want to be behind, uh, you know, Josh Josh Sargent? Um, did Josh Sargent? Did Josh Sargent play for for Norwich this weekend? We didn't talk about. Yeah. That. Oh, okay. No, okay, he good. did. He, yeah. he came on as a, he came on as a sub. Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah. Jordan brought it up. Good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry, I missed that. No, you're good. That uh, Balogun kid. He can also play, he could also technically play. He played for United States U18 national team. 
Um, and then he's played for England U18 and U20. And technically, he could also play for Nigeria because his parents are Nigerian. So he's got the pick of the litter uh, set, you know, if he wants to play at senior level internationally. Good to have options. I tell you what, he should come to he, he should come to FC Dallas because he's he's young enough. So we could bring him in, he'll score a few goals for us, and then we'll sell him back to Arsenal and make a profit that we won't reinvest in the club. Um that's that's the FC Dallas way. Uh so yeah, so so that's our weekly laugh at Arsenal. Maybe it'll change next week. Now I'm I'm so ready, I'm so excited for this. We had the the fortune when the Premier League drew up its schedule of having for the opening weekend our first We Ate All the Pies Derby. Uh, Newcastle 2, West Ham United 4. Now, Newcastle, they did take a pretty dominant 2-1 lead into the break, looking pretty good behind goals from Callum Wilson. Actually, his ninth, I think, against West Ham, which is, uh, please, someone stop him scoring against us. Um, and another fantastic goal by Jacob Murphy um, after a really, just like I said, a dominant spell by Newcastle keeping the ball in around the box. A very fluky, we'll just call it, um, Aaron Questwell goal was the only consolation for the Hammers in the first half. But in the second half, it all changed. The visitors shut down Allen St. Maximin's slaloming runs through their midfield and reaped the rewards. Goals from Saeed Benrama, Thomas Susek, and Michael Antonio in the span of 13 minutes. Sucked the life out of St. James's Park. The Hammers, up until that point, had lost seven of their previous ten opening day fixtures. Jordan, I know you've got a lot to say about this. Um, I will say that, obviously, in my experience as this as a new newly minted West Ham fan, for this to be my first Premier League game, feeling pretty good. Uh, it was very nice. I thought our attack looked fantastic, um, but it's very very shaky at the back. Um, Craig Dawson and uh, Angelo Agbada just as our center backs. They looked, I mean, they they looked tired, looked not ready. They looked, they looked their years, looked beyond their years even, um, trying to deal with St. Maximin and Almiron. Um, and this was a Newcastle side that did not have their new signing, Joe Willick, in yet. So, I mean, I would I would hate to have seen what the scoreline would have been, especially in the first half, had, had Willick been on the pitch. But, um, I mean, I think from the West Ham perspective, this is great, but it's very clear that, uh, I mean, we need recruitment bad. We need signings. It, it's it's just ridiculous. Um, ben Johnson and Ryan Fredericks, two younger players, came on. Um, uh, Manuel Lanzini, uh, Mark Noble, uh, someone else, uh, uh, Isa Diop. Those are you know first team players who were left on the bench. So it's not like there's zero reinforcements, but I just feel like West Ham, even after this, is still one injury away from a crisis. Um, because like I said, we just we just don't have the bodies. Michael Antonio is the only recognized striker in the squad. He's not going to be able to start every single game. Um, so yeah, it's there's there's still a lot of business to be done by West Ham, and it's worrying given the Europa League starts later. And it's not going to be this nice, you know, eight-day break in between games for much longer. The next one is against Leicester City um, next Monday. But they've got to get some reinforcements in. And it was very clear that defensive reinforcements are needed. Because I do feel like, with a little bit more luck, Newcastle would have been beyond West Ham. Um, and, and this wouldn't have been a comeback win. So it, it could have gone differently in the first half. It was a fantastic effort to come back and do that, but... Uh, 
you know, and I'll 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 gladly take the W. Um and and and, and gloat on that and be able to uh to enjoy that at least ne- until the next time we take on Jordan's Newcastle, but yeah, reinforcements sorely needed. Um Jordan, I'll just uh, let me I'll just set you up and and roll. Steve Bruce, go. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So <clears throat> nine minutes into the match, Alan St. Maximum uh, you know, gets the ball out of a corner, um, literally puts Declan Rice on the floor, puts a cross in the box. He should have put missiles. he should have put him on the floor. I kept saying I was just sitting there yelling at the television saying, Just somebody hit him. Like take him down. Does uh, nobody know what a tactical foul is anymore? Honestly. Uh, Actually, uh, later in the match, I believe there was a technical foul. Uh, uh, Declan Rice did put St. Maxim on the floor, uh, which led to the fourth goal, I believe. Yeah, it, um, wasn't, it wasn't a foul, though. He got the ball fair and square. He tackled him. I mean, yes, he went up on him. He t- t- yeah. Okay, anyways, disagree, disagree. <laughs> uh, it wasn't, wasn't so, a foul. <clears throat> uh, Kellen Wilson scores. I get off my couch and scream goal, scare my dog. <laughs> um, I have hope in my heart that this year is different. And then the rest, the the other 81 minutes of the match proves me wrong. Um, my pessimism returns in full force. Uh, this squad is so, it's so tacti- tactically, it's so tactically wrong. Why are you playing a five at the back if you're playing so deep that your center backs are taking on runners within three yards of the penalty box? So they cannot make a tackle. All they have to do, all they can really do is kind of herd someone either right or left um, without, you know, taking without taking on trying to make a tackle. Uh, Jacob Murphy and Matt Ritchie are not are not wingbacks. They are wingers. Um why do you have a five eight uh, wing back who uh, can't you know judge uh, when to let a ball bounce or when to you know to head it to head it out? Um, why do you have Isaac Hayden being the uh, the furthest uh, midfielder on the right? You know, tasking him to go forward when he clearly isn't comfortable and doesn't communicate with well with uh, with Murphy. Well, so so um, does does having Joe Willick change that though? Could you play Willick in in Yes, that solves one problem, but there's a myriad of others there, too. Um, Why, for instance, when uh, West Ham has the the ball because of our because how deep we are and how we are set up in a five in a five, three, two, when someone tries to clear it out, you know, towards the, uh, you know, towards the left or the right uh, up near up near the halfway line, there is not a wide player up there to uh you know relieve the pressure basically goes back to a west ham fullback uh to uh or a west ham center back and then cycles possession why are we lining up so compressed uh, in the actual penalty box that we're almost from uh uh from one end of the goalie box to the other to allow players like aaron cresswell and uh sue fall uh to make cheeky runs around the back that our wingbacks don't pay attention to sue fall had a hell of a game he did fantastic so yes, I so, love yeah, yeah. I love when we break because when we break, we have two players, uh, Almiron and Saint Maximum, who are magic when the ball's at their feet. Uh, 
St. Maximum, sometimes he does dribble a little bit too much, but give me, let that wild horse run. Uh, it's, it's inciting, it's, it's exciting, it's invigorating when he takes on the ball. Uh, and Callum Wilson can score a goal, double-digit goal scorer last year. Uh, but we have, no, we have no game plan when it comes to uh, consistent offense in the opponent's half. Even yeah, uh, it it so did peter we were, out. When, yeah, yeah. No, when we're up, when we were up two one, we should have pressed up the field, um, and you know, been more thoughtful in our attack. When but all we can do is counter. So all we're gonna do is set back, let pressure on, um, and when we don't have the defensive players necessary to run that system, mistakes are gonna be made and goals are gonna be scored. Um, now, I do feel like that uh, Jacob Murphy was not treated fairly on that penalty, but in a 50-50, in a 50-50 challenge, um, it really doesn't matter. Uh, at the end of the day, Barr didn't – there was no you know, right. uh, evidence that was going to overturn it, so the right call on the field either way would have uh, been verified, but – Steve Bruce needs to go. Joe Willick does not need to be our only signing. Please, Mike Ashley, help out your club. Yeah, and I, I, I do wonder how Willick is going to change things because St. Maximum was coming really deep to pick up the ball, and it worked sometimes, but when it when it didn't, and he finally had to move out wide, I mean, he might as well have just been subbed out. He just didn't he didn't really participate in the game anymore. Um, and so, yeah, obviously chasing the game or, or having to, to respond repeatedly for Newcastle is just not something that they're really set up to do. Um, like I said, you know, the Hammers, they haven't had a whole lot of luck on opening day fixtures before, similar to Newcastle, I think. And this week, this weekend, um, they got it. So the first, the first we ate all the pies Derby goes my way. This makes me feel a little bit, this makes me feel a little bit better about my decision to, uh, to jump ship, sh- jump ship and head to East London. Um, some other results that, that we had this weekend, we don't quite have time to really get into, uh, Watford three, Aston Villa two, um, a really impressive display by Watford. I feel like they're going to be pretty scrappy this season. That's how this team is going to play. The goals were kind of scrappy. Um, you know, they've got some, some quick players that can get forward and, and can cause some trouble. Um, so it's going to be fun to see them, uh, kind of continue in this first, this first part of the season, um, and see what they can do. Um, against some teams, it was a, a nice a nice homecoming for Watford in the Premier League. For Aston Villa, I wouldn't worry too much. Um, two goals late, uh, you know. Uh, I feel like they they grew into the game, Villa, but th- it was just too far gone by the time that they had had the chance to uh, to uh, to get there. So yeah, I, I wouldn't worry too much if I were Villa. Uh, Buendia, you know, had some good touches. Um, Leon Bailey came in off the bench, so I think he's going to be an asset. Um, for Aston Villa. Um, so yeah, good win for Watford. Uh, Everton 3, Southampton 1. Jordan, you caught some of this. What was your your just your quick takes? A comeback win for Everton on Rafa Benitez's home debut. Um, I enjoyed Everton's uh, 4-4-2 uh, with, with Richarlson as the off-striker. Um, I feel like his pace and his touch and um, passing ability allows um, allows Everton to stretch an opponent's uh, back line. 
there was a couple, I believe, uh, you know, the, the Dominic, Cal, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin goal in the 80th minute that was off uh, a Richarlson, you know, run wide and then a cross in. Uh, I believe there was a cross in the 16th minute that uh, Richarlson also put, you know, in from wide. Um, I feel like Rafa Benitez uh, really needs to work on the um, the back line. Um, looking at you, Michael Keane, um, that was a howler of a mistake in the 22nd minute. Um, but I believe, you know, with, with the tactics that Benitez is, is – is going to bring in and, you know, fully develop at, uh, over the season. I think Everton will uh, have the stability they were missing last year under Carlo Angelotti. And, you know, with some luck, push forward and up the table. Um, on Southampton, um, I think the Che Adams, uh, Adam, uh, the Che Adams, Adam Armstrong, the uh, Adams, Adam line, um, will pay dividends. They seem to link up pretty well, uh, you know, for, for just, you know, joining uh, each other in training less than a week ago. Armstrong, um, he scored, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah, and he yeah. also had a – he put a nice through ball into Che Adams, who, uh, you know, maybe on another day would have had an opportunity on goal. Um, he also had a um, uh, uh, a header – that was headed down by Adams, who I believe won almost all his headers today. Um, uh, I'll put that into the side netting, but it's still a pretty good shot. Uh, you know, Pickford had to actually, you know, pay attention to it. Um, what could be the determining factor for Everton this season, uh, besides uh, Richarlson uh, and the wingers, is uh, Decore. I kind of feel like if he develops into uh, the Evertonian version of Yaya Toure, uh, the similarities being they're both big, uh, strong in the tackle, uh, and can make those galloping runs. That goal, uh, first off, that control to spin the ball in the box, and then that shot to score the second goal was uh, a thing of beauty. He could be the X factor for Everton this season. Yeah, I was surprised because he Decore had played pretty well at Watford before joining Everton. I was surprised that, and no offense to Everton, I was surprised a bigger team didn't pick him up because he was he was quite a talent when he was at Watford. And but yeah, I, I think Everton have a good a good pickup there. Um, uh, Burnley one, Brighton two. I think this was another comeback win. Um, and Jordan, you you watched this one as well. But Brighton get off to a, a great start away at Turf Moor for Burnley. It's not looking great. Um, no, it's not. When your best chances are on a uh, James, Tart- uh, James Tartowski, uh, Tartowski uh, goal and then a, uh, a Ben Mee header off the crossbar, um, that shows just the lack of offensive, fire, uh, offensive firepower you have. But the one thing I really took away from this game is how they're going to call fouls going forward in this season. Hmm. Because uh, when... James Tartowski scored that goal. He blew like Neil Mope uh, to the ground. Like he like full on pushed him down. And any other year that should have been a that could that should have been a, almost a yellow, but it wasn't called. 
Um, he, you know, had a free run in and put the ball back into the back of the net. Um, but for, you know, for Brighton's sake, uh, they were able to make the comeback. Um, and, you know, that was through some key substitutions uh, with, uh, with Moder and uh, McAllister um, in the second half. Uh, Moder, uh, you know, assisted Mope for his, uh, for his for the goal on his birthday, and McAllister scored that goal, uh, go-ahead goal in the 78th minute. And then uh, finally, just to, to round off the weekend, Leicester City won. Wolves nil. Jamie Vardy's party continues scoring the only goal for Leicester City in an opening day win, um, handing Bruno Laja his first defeat in his first game. But it's okay. He's got a chance to prove himself next weekend against Tottenham Hotspur, which we will talk about in a minute. So that was your your first weekend of the Premier League. Um, there is no Monday game this week because of the Friday game uh, between Brentford and Arsenal. Uh, and like I said, just a weekend full of teams stating their title claims. Manchester United against Leeds. Chelsea against Palace. Liverpool against Norwich. Fulham against Huddersfield. Let's talk some championship real quick. Fulham, annihilate Huddersfield. Caleb, you must be on cloud nine. My God, I love this level. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's, it's you know... It was first of all, it was a great match. Um, from what I could tell, watch the highlights, yeah. um, pay attention as much as I could um, without being able to actually watch it live. Um, crazy beginning, Mitrovic scores the oddest goal you'll ever see. Huddersfield uh, Town uh, player sends the ball back to his keeper, almost concedes a corner instead of a throw-in. Um, the keeper tries to clear it, and he clears it directly into Alexander Mitrovic's sliding gut. I can hear the, the Benny. I can hear the Benny Hill music now. Exactly, ball <laughs> pops up in the air over the like higher than the crossbar and bounces in just as Huddersfield keeper tries to scale to get it. So um, that was that was the first goal. The second goal was scored with a Josh Onuma header that was so like he dives and almost like headbutts the keeper, manages to score. It, it's such an odd goal that um, I was listening to a Fulham call-in show and, and some of the, the folks who were there, because um, it was on the other side of the pitch, were basically like, we, we couldn't even tell that he'd scored for a while. Um, <laughs> and the Huddersfield Town scores a goal that gets called back. Um, so that's crazy. And then Harry Wilson gets sent off because he gets tackled hard on the sideline and lashes out, kicks at the guy who him. And then Yvonne Cavallero, who just comes on, scores twice uh, with Fulham down to 10 men. And they win 5-1. And it's just, it's such an odd, such an odd game. Um, But obviously, yeah, I mean, you can just tell even with 10 men, um, you know, even, you know, the first away match, um, you can just tell that, you know, Fulham is, is, as everyone expected, going to be one of the top teams in the, the English Football League championship this year. Um, obviously, Huddersfield Town has uh, quite a, quite a bit to go in terms of talent between them and Fulham. So, yeah, great match. Got, got a ways to go. Fulham are top of the championship on goal difference, but still, it counts. Um, the negative is Wilson's suspension. You know, getting that red, um, which will not be overturned. Yeah. It was a bad. It was just it was a childish move, and, and it was foolish. And he didn't need to do it, but. Um, you know, I think Fulham has some, de- you know, Andre Frank and Gleisa 
came on as a sub. Obviously, he's been he's been pushing for a transfer, but um, he was there. So hopefully, we'll see Harrison Reed and Tom Kearney back healthy soon enough. Maybe Inguisa for a bit, um, you know, while we sort out a, a transfer for him because we're thin in the midfield. So, um, but overall, yeah, just a great start to the season for us. Yeah. Uh, a few other results that were interesting in, in the championship too. QPR three Hull nil. A great start for QPR. Um, mm. That West that West London derby. It's Ooh, gonna be a fun one. Gonna be a gonna, gonna be a fun one this this year. Um, and then I have to mention this. <laughs> right. So so there were two six thirty six. Yeah, there were two six thirty or uh, early morning. I guess over here in the United States, uh, depending on what time zone you're in. But two early morning uh, kickoffs in English football this week: Manchester United versus Leeds, and then Peter Peterborough who are new to the championship against Wayne Rooney's Derby County. Um, it was 1-0 to Derby with, like, minutes to go. And Jordan had men- Jordan mentioned that yeah. that they were in the lead. And, oh, my God. I just cannot believe it. <laughs> it was, well, it, it was nil-nil forever. Yeah, right. And then Derby scores, and you go, well, that's it. I mean, that's the match. And then... They go into the, the – and then it's, you know, regular time is over, and there's 11 minutes of stoppage time. Oh, my God. And and Peterborough scores twice in stoppage time. <laughs> it was it was like 11 <laughs> minutes. Good guy. It was like, we'll give you as much time as possible. There's no way we're going to let Darby win this. So it was such an odd match to watch because there was nothing happened. Darby finally scores. You go, okay, thank God somebody scored in this, in this, in this match. Neither of these teams look very talented. And then, you know, obviously it was really ugly toward the end. Tons of fouls and injuries and, you know, wasting of time. They get 11 minutes of stoppage time. People are scores twice and and uh, and Darby loses. So it was uh, the last, if you don't watch the match, the last, like, 10 minutes of it are, are worth watching. Yeah, that is available for replay on ESPN Plus if, if you want to go and watch it. Siriki Dembele uh, with the goal in the 90 plus 9 Minutes, so the ninth minute of added on time to score to give Peterborough their first win of the season. Uh, he also got a yellow card after that. I assume it's because he took his shirt off. Um, uh, other interesting. Uh, um, he, did, oh. he, he struggled a bit to do that. He, they basically had to rip it off of him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, Jordan. Fun fun fact about the Derby squad: uh, former West Ham young boy and former Lazio player Ravel Morrison is. Uh, Starting for Darby. Do you know who he is also a former player for? I'll give you a hint. It's another club link to me. United? He's a former Manchester United youth product. Yeah. <laughs> came, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He came out of United. He was highly rated by Sir Alex Ferguson, but he just had an attitude problem. And then I think he went to Lazio. I can't remember which one was first, but he did go to West Ham and then Lazio. And I feel like he played for Birmingham. That may have been on loan. But yeah, he is. He's back. Um, he's back with the club. Um, another interesting result from this weekend: um, AFC Wimbledon. I know nobody will really care about this. I just find it interesting. Uh, AFC Wimbledon, of course, are uh, the club that is in Wimbledon now. The old Wimbledon moved up to Milton Keynes and is now MK Dons. But they had their first game in front of home fans at their new, brand new uh, Plough Lane Stadium, um, and they were treated to not a win, but it was a hell of a game: three three against Bolton. So an exciting. League One fixture for you there. Um, so yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, uh, also, big shout out uh, another team that I follow is Stevenage. 
Uh, they used to be Stevenage Borough. I think it's just Stevenage Football Club now, but they got a nice win away at Bristol Rivers 2-0, so good for them. Um, okay, so now it is time for a brand new segment we are bringing to you this week. We talked a little bit about this after the pod last week, what we could do. You know, do we want to do fantasy Premier League? Um, you know, for me, I don't know. It's, I'm kind of on the fence. On the one hand, it can be fun. On the other hand, it's super time-consuming, and it's a lot to remember, um, especially because I feel like most people on this pod actually do fantasy American football. Um, and so, yeah, it just gets kind of difficult for 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 me particularly. So we decided that we're going to start um, a pick'em game, and I'm calling this Top Shelf Picks. Um, and it is, so it's our, it's the 2021, 2022 top shelf picks. This is where we pick, uh, we have three games each and every week, uh, from the Premier League that we pick out to, to predict the score from, um, and, and there's a couple of sides to it. Obviously we will keep track of the records, who is right, who is wrong, but in order to, to help with some tiebreakers here, so you, a predicting the correct result i.e. this team will win or that team will win or it'll be a draw, that gets you one point. The uh, uh, If you get the score correct, it's another point. So a maximum two points for every game that you can earn, um, but you still do get something even if you don't quite get the score correct. Obviously, this will be Sands week one because that has already passed us, but we will start this in week two. And so... I have picked out these games, and, and I'll, I'll go over them with you guys real quick because I didn't talk to you about this before the pod. But I picked out for next weekend Leeds-Everton, the Nuno Derby, Wolves versus Tottenham, and then, of course, the London Derby between Arsenal and Chelsea. Um, are those good? Anybody want to substitute one of those, or do we like that? I just feel like leeds Everton's going to be an exciting game. Yeah, I like it. Let's go with it. All right. <clears throat> okay, so... So, so I'm, I've I've got the document here in front of me. Um, we're going to record these down, and uh, they 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 shall never be changed. And yes, I know we're making predictions a week out. A lot can happen, especially with the transfer uh, market still open. However, um, we'll just go with this, and 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 we'll do it. It's a you know it's somewhat of a crapshoot, anyways. But we'll we'll, we'll see. So, so I will start. Um, and then for the next game, we'll have Caleb will give the first prediction, and then Jordan, you'll give the first prediction for Arsenal versus Chelsea. So so for Leeds-Everton, um, I'm going to go with Leeds 1, Everton 4. I think they're just going to smoke them again, and I think uh, the conversation about Leeds' defensive woes will continue. Caleb, what is your prediction for Leeds-Everton, which is a Saturday afternoon kickoff, by the way? I like Everton as well. Um, give give me Everton three one over Leeds. Okay, three one. Jordan, how are you feeling about Leeds and Everton? It's a clean sweep for Everton. Three uh, nil. All right, shut out I, for Rafa's I think side. Rafa, I think Rafa is gonna uh, you know practice some uh, defense this week in training, and uh, I think they're gonna hold him to a clean sheet. All right. Uh, next up, the Nuno Derby. Wolves against Tottenham at Molyneux. This is a Sunday, I guess for for Americans, since we're talking about America. This is a Sunday morning game. So this is the early game before the London Derby later. So Wolves against Tottenham. Wolves, of course, lost 
uh, to Leicester City this weekend. Tottenham with the surprise 1-0 win against City. Caleb, what are you predicting? Is it going to be two wins in a row for the Spurs? I think so. I, I, don't, I don't see a, a high-scoring match, especially I don't think Kane will start. He may play. Um, I see Tottenham winning this uh, another 1-0 win for them. All right, 1-0 for the Spurs. Jordan? I see a 2-1 win for Tottenham. Uh, and I see a Raul Jimenez late goal uh, to, to put Wolves on the board and just make them feel good uh, in a loss. All right, that's a nice little solid prediction. I'm going to go with the draw on this one. I think it's going to end up being 1-1. I think you're right, Caleb. It's not going to be a very high-scoring match. Um, and I think... I think you know, as good as Tottenham were, I I think they're going to kind of run into a bit of a wall against Wolves. I think defensively, uh, Wolves are going to be set up a little bit better. And then we will round out with the big one, Arsenal against Chelsea at the Emirates Stadium. Arsenal fans are going to be yelling Arteta out. It's going to be chaos. However, they always seem to do well against Chelsea. I don't know what it is. They always get up for these London derbies. So Jordan, we'll start with you. Arsenal v. Chelsea, who you got? So I have a draw. Uh, because I feel like both sides are going to go in uh, with some hope, and they're both going to be left wanting. Um, I am tempted to say 2-2, but I feel like uh, both sides uh, will miss some opportunities in front of goal. Uh, Timo Werner is going to Timo Werner things. (laughs) I feel like it's going to be a 1-1 draw. All right, 1-1 draw, the anticlimax in the London Derby. Um, I... We'll go, I think it's, again, I think it's going to be low scoring. Um, I, I do think these teams will cancel each other out. I think it's going to be a win for Chelsea. I think it's going to be 1-0. Um, like you said, Jordan, some some team overnering going on. Um, although I, I imagine we might see Lukaku in this one. It kind of depends. It really does depend on, on, on whether or not he starts. I could see him bossing around that Arsenal back line, but I'm going to go with the 1-0. I'm going to stick with it. Um, Chelsea, two wins in a row. Caleb? What are you thinking for this London derby? Chelsea look great. Arsenal look terrible. But as you said, it's you know you kind of have to throw some of that out of the window. I I see it as a draw too, and I had it down as two two. So that's that's what All I'm right. going to go with two two. Chance for Jordan to maybe kind of kick himself for not going with his gut there if they get if this does end up being a two two draw. Awesome. All right. So that's the first ever top shelf picks. Of course, we will have the results uh, and then three more games for you next weekend. Uh, speaking of next weekend, actually, real quick, I do want to say, um, so there is some midweek action in the uh, English Football League this week in the championship that you can catch on ESPN+. Plus On Wednesday, for anybody who's listening, West Brom take on Sheffield United at the Hawthorns. Uh, both of those are 2.45 p.m. Eastern time kickoffs. For next weekend, it looks like this. This is a, We start on Saturday, August 21st. Liverpool against Burnley at 7.30 a.m. Eastern. I believe that is going to be on Peacock, and I say that because I think last week we didn't quite have the channels right for all the games because they switched them around on us. So NBC does switch these around, but this is what I have for right now. So Liverpool v. Burnley, 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time on Peacock. Um, On CNBC, it's Aston Villa against Newcastle. That's at 10 a.m., and the rest of these are 10 a.m. kickoffs. Crystal Palace versus Brentford, uh, that's on Peacock. Leeds versus Everton. As we said, that is on Peacock. Uh, Manchester City against Norwich. That one's going to be the NBCSN game this week. So City going back home, looking for their first win of the season. And then Brighton against Watford 
is your late uh, Saturday kickoff. That's at 12.30 p.m. on Big NBC slash Peacock on Sunday. We get started with the Nuno Derby, Wolves versus Tottenham at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on NBCSN. Then it's Southampton against Manchester United, 9 a.m. on Peacock. And then it's the big one, London Derby, Arsenal versus Chelsea at the Emirates Stadium, 11.30 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. And then finally, on Monday, uh, it's the Hammers, West Ham against Leicester City at the London Stadium, 3 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff on NBCSN. Gentlemen, it feels great to be back. It feels great to have a, a full weekend of Premier League action under our belts, and I'm looking forward to uh, this. I'm looking forward to the picks competition. I think that was a good idea. Cool cottagers. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Uh, let's. I hope that we get great matches. If if the first, if the initial weekend was a prelude to what this season's going to look like, then we're in for a fantastic year. Jordan, your your final thoughts on the weekend and, and kind of how you felt about everything, and then you can go ahead and sign us off. You know what? It was. It's. I'm glad it's all back uh, after watching the the we ate all the pies derby. I was alternating between crushing my flo- my phone <laughs> on the floor or crying in my couch. Um, <laughs> I miss. I miss. I miss the the high, I miss the highs and the lows. Uh, the game is so much better with fans back in the stadiums. Uh, real quick, I believe I heard uh, so uh, some chanting in the um, Newcastle West Ham game uh, after uh, John Joe got that unnecessary yellow that was along the lines of "Harry Potter is coming for you." <laughs> um, in reference to John Joe looking like Lord Voldemort. <laughs> Hopefully next weekend will be great as the first. Let's go eat some pies. Let's go eat some pies. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back next week.